Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another fantastic edition of Hard in the Paint podcast. I am your host, Matt, and again joined by none other than Michael himself. And today, on October 2nd, we will be discussing the takeaways that we've gotten from the preseason thus far. We've had some interesting appearances. And we'll also be talking about the Bucks and the Magic in our team preview segment for this episode. And first and foremost, we would like to thank our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, New York Chiropractic College. If you happen to be in the the Atlantic Northeast region, you are interested in the alternative medicine, uh, non-invasive, non-surgical route to physical and mental well-being, Try out New York Chiropractic College. It's a private institution run by none other than our weather-controlling primates known as the Jews. Get a a fantastic six-year education. You get your MD along the way. And uh, you also can get these fantastic coasters that I'm currently using to hold my uh, makeshift Long Island podcast. So we like to think... New York Chiropractic College for sponsoring this episode of Heart in the Paint podcast. And let's just hop right into it. Uh, so I, I guess uh, most importantly, we are very excited that the NBA will officially tip off in approximately one fortnight, not the video game, the length of time. Uh, wh- wh- how excited are you, Michael, for this fantastic evening? Dude. It's oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. First, uh, first two games: Philly, Boston, and Golden State, OKC. It's pretty good. Uh, conference finalist betting, as far as that kind of goes. But uh, oh, dude, I'm 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 ready. I'm ready for this season to go. Absolutely, I I have been like thirsty for basketball, like a fucking dude at a sorority party it's just like i'm ready i see it all around me i get these little sample teasers of the preseason uh that just make me want to see like the real thing and and like all these new teams and players and coaches and fucking strategy and bullshit it's like i'm ready man dude i want to see i want to see ben simmons hitting these jumpers from the elbow Speaking Jeez. of fucking Ben Simmons hitting jumpers, have how much of the preseason you know have have you seen? And uh, yeah, I was watching the Philly game the other night. I saw Markel Fultz actually scored some points. You know, there's there's some interesting insights from here. What have you seen or heard of the preseason so far? Uh, not much in terms of actual gameplay. Just a few clips. Because obviously the NBA is a pretty pretty viral medium. At this point, so it's mostly just been you know the highlight, highlight reels, uh, Doncic and like Dennis Smith Jr. That's going to be kind of a fun team to watch, you know, on kind of one of those like shitty you know Wednesday night games. You know, it's like oh, it's Dallas versus uh, Atlanta. Let's sure I'll tune in. I want to see Trey Young versus Doncic. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be amazing. And uh, I've watched a couple of games. I saw some of the Lakers game. I saw some of the Philly game. Like I said, I saw Markel hit some shots, which looked like his shooting form had been definitely tweaked with. Saw Anybody? Mo Bamba hit his first yeah. three. That was kind of interesting. Ooh. Him and Joel already have a good beef going on. Saw LeBron, of course, in the Laker town. Wait, wait, wait. What is this with Joel Embiid and Mo Bamba? Wait, what's going on? They worked out over the summer, man, and they just fucking trash-talked each other the whole damn game. It was great. And you know Joel, he just trash talks every big man that matches up with him. But yeah, but like Mo Bamba seemed like a pretty chill kind of guy. Like he doesn't seem like the type to. I don't they know, they like, just got this fucking like private, uh, like exchange kind of thing going on. Like I think Joel kind of took him under his wing a little bit. It's like, yeah. oh, this guy's trying to copy me. It's like this super lanky, like uh, do it all kind of big man with defensive mindedness. Some Big Twelve rivalry, Kansas, exactly. Texas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that was good to see. Uh, you know, a lot of it's you know maybe the starters are only getting like twelve to fifteen minutes right now, but yeah, yeah. I mean, and obviously the offenses are like just fast break and kind of like 
rec center games almost but you get to see some more of those bench mob minutes like the lakers game you got to see a lot of brandon ingram which was nice to see looked like his defense really improved looks like he's not like entirely lost out there when he has the ball in his hands <laughs> i i didn't see any yesterday or today but i am looking forward to seeing the real thing here in just a fortnight and speaking of the preseason you know, it kind of brings up an interesting question of sort of off-season basketball and what the consumers and we like to see. You know, you kind of got your summer league. Every couple of years they show the, like the FIBA and the Olympics, and then they also have this preseason time. You know, what what's really sort of important? And if you only had to pick one, which one would you pick? I mean, it's been pretty interesting because, like, up until kind of last year, the Summer League really wasn't a thing. But now it's become, like, its own actual event. And then preseason has always just kind of been, like, a, a way for some of the young guys to kind of get into shape a little bit. Um, because they're just not used to doing, like, a 80-game season, right? I mean, college, you only play 30-something games, 40 games. Um, in, like, half the time, right? Like, season's over. Even if you win, it's, like, over by April. So a lot of it was just kind of conditioning, getting used to, like, the pace of the game and stuff. But, uh, I mean, Summer League is probably more interesting. Uh, you know, it's a little bit smaller of a venue. You know, it comes right immediately after the draft. So it's like, oh, man, like, the hype is still kind of rolling into the, with these guys. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a bit more exciting. As well as, you know, you got, like, LeBron comes to Summer League games now, right? It's like... James Harden shows up to summer league games and I mean, they don't do anything. They just kind of sit courtside, but I mean, it's still kind of cool. Yeah. You get some nice, like uh bench shots of them, like some good sideline interviews just because the commentators don't have anything to talk about of like big players. You know, you say that rookie hype. I personally like seeing the rookies play against each other. It's kind of like almost like a college, like all-star league in a sense. That's yeah. That's kind yeah, of fun. I don't like the preseason. I, I know it's like kind of, it's like yeah, an appetizer I mean, to the like the main course of the NBA. Well, it's like it's kind of like a way of the NBA trying to stay sort of relevant in that first month of the NFL when like you know the NFL kind of kicks off beginning of September and then you know it really does kind of dominate the first like three four weeks. Everybody's still really into it. Is like all the teams are still kind of like gelling it out you know it's like oh man who's gonna start 4-0 and it's like you know who's you know is like uh like the you know the patriots lose two games early you know how is this gonna like affect their season and it's like everyone's still kind of in play for like a playoff position and then like you know by mid-october it kind of starts getting set a little bit more and more every week so it's kind of like the the you know up until kind of the playoffs of the nfl this is kind of like peak nfl season and so mm. basketball is kind of just taking a backseat, which is fine. I mean, it's going to dominate in two weeks anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know, one of the other things is, uh, especially these preseason games, you know, you've got some of the teams went and played with some of the Australian teams, or they went to play some of the European teams, or they went and played China, some of yeah. the Chinese teams, which is um, probably a really good global marketing strategy. But it's really not exciting if you're like already an American sports fan, because like, like for instance, Dallas played at home versus like Guangzhou Ducks or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a hundred to fifty at the end of the half. Like it yeah, wasn't I mean, it really was, exciting. It was like a no contest. Yeah. It was exciting for about ten minutes because it was just like DSJ and Doncic and all these other guys like fucking tearing it up. But then you're like, oh. This is why it's the NBA and not the CBA. Yeah, and especially for a guy like Doncic, where it's like, you know, playing against like a, I mean, even though he's like a rookie, so he hasn't had like professional NBA experience, it's like he played in the EuroLeague and like he like killed it there for like two years. Like the competition that he played in Europe is like significantly better than what he just played in China, like played against the Chinese team. Exactly. And so maybe. You know, if I was going to pick one to stay, I would probably rather see the Olympics every year just because it's, like, American pride, hell yeah, and you get to see, like, this all-star team of players. But that doesn't happen every year, so I think I'd go with uh, Summer League, to be frank. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
cutting out the preseason, I mean, I know they've shortened it from what it was like two years ago, which is really nice. Um, it'd be nicer. I mean, they just only played like maybe three games going in, you know, just kind of like a week or two, you know, like 10 days before the start of the season. Or even if there was a reason, more games. like I, what, what's the incentive to win? You know, do you get like a monetary award? Do you get like, there's no like personal awards? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes down to like some of these young guys or maybe like a, a vet trying to make a comeback of like, you know, can they crack into kind of like this, like a top nine or even like even further up the rotation on the list, you know, like it'd be kind of interesting if there was like a, a young rookie and like a, a fading star and they're competing for like, um, you know, like a starting, you know, like it'd be interesting if there was like, oh man, like Gordon Hayward's coming back. Like, where is he going to fit in this team? And but I mean that's not really gonna happen. I'd agree. It, it there's just there's very little like incentive to watch it, incentive to like compete. Um, you know, there there's not really like a bunch of hype around it. It's kind of just like you mentioned earlier, a way to stay relevant in this like surge of football. It's like fantasy football kicked off recently. Yeah. And I mean, like, even the NFL is, like, kind of pulling some stuff here from, like, the NBA, right? It's, like, a lot of these games now are, like, a little bit more high scoring. Uh, I mean, a lot of that has to do with, like, the rule changes with, like, the defensive, like, helmet contacts and stuff. So it's, like, the middle of the field is, like, a lot more wide open. Yes. Which is, so, like, you're starting to see a lot of guys kind of do these, like, almost kind of what you see in basketball with, like, a pick and roll where it's, like, the guy in the slot will try and, like, jam up at the line to free like a guy kind of cutting across the middle, which is a lot what you see with like a high pick and roll of like um, kind of the reverse high pick and roll, right? So it's like, instead of, you know, it'll be like, um, if you have two ball handlers, it'll be like hardened screening for like Chris Paul. And it's like, oh, what do you do then, right? And so it's kind of like, the NFL is trying to kind of pick up on these things that like the NBA is kind of doing. And even the EPL, it's like been a thing, um, you know, some of the like, uh, best clubs in England right now are doing like counter pressing, um, which is like a very kind of up tempo system, which is like something we've seen with like uh, the Rockets, especially of like cranking up the tempo, focusing a lot on shot selection, you know, not just kind of, you know, jacking it up from the mid range and stuff. So it's kind of cool that like the analytics is starting to translate into different sports. You know, the NBA is the most popular sport according to Instagram got the uh, largest instagram following of all the major u.s sports and i think even more than soccer or football in europe so yeah i mean then a lot of that's with adam silver right like uh flipping the whole uh copyright kind of stuff with the nba right like uh like highlights can be like shared like without, oh yeah like uh you know the nfl is very against that right They're... well <laughs> Yeah, so so like you're saying, you know, the NBA is a much more uh, highlight-driven sport. Speaking of highlights, let's get into our highlight of the offseason, our team previews for the Atlanta Hawks as our first team today. So, of course, the Atlanta Hawks, not a very ambitious team last year or the year before or even this year. Rebuild mode. Uh, yeah, they've been in rebuild mode for a while now, and of course they made potentially the most impactful trade of the offseason, trading essentially Luka Doncic for Trey Young. Oh, I was thinking of Carmelo. <laughs> oh, no, wait, that was, a, that was a buyout? Yeah, that was a trade. <laughs> it was a trade and a buyout, and I guess you're not wrong there. I guess I should have phrased that differently. But, uh, you know, Michael, let, let's... Take us into the sort of the fan base that the the Hawks fan base is feeling right now. Well, I think the fan base is not even at the games. They are nowhere to be seen in all of Atlanta and all of Georgia, any of the surrounding states. I don't think there are any Hawks fans left. And so I think to accurately describe the fan base, the Marvel character we will choose will be Hawkeye. Just there, you know, they're just there. They're gonna play 82 games. It's fine for them, I guess. Get their paychecks. They're not going anywhere. We don't care if Hawkeye is in the next Avengers movie, do we? 
I don't. He barely was in the last one. It's kind of like uh, you know he was there a couple years ago with that one Hawks team that gave up like thirty threes to LeBron's Cavs, and that year they yeah. won. But, but I mean that's basically then, that's basically what Hawkeye does, right? I mean he he has his bow and arrow, and he's basically taking these long range shots. He's basically Kyle Korver of uh, of the Avengers. I mean, let's take a look uh, at you know just even thinking about that team now. It's like Kyle Korver. Dennis Schroeder, Al Horford, you know. All those guys was, are on amazing teams now. Was that Josh Smith? Was he still there or was he gone? I think he was gone by then. And Joe Johnson was gone too? Uh, I think so. I think he was on Utah that year. And uh, Bazemore? I think Bazemore is... Bazemore's still there. Bazemore yeah, he's still there. He's the still one there. guy left from that. For now. He's he's going to be gone. I think he's. I think there's a... Spoilers. There's a... <laughs> Baysmore's probably gone and hit by the All Star break. Uh, not to be a clairvoyant Michael, but that's uh, that's our, that's his sneaky big prediction for this year. So first off, you know, if I'm going to a Hawks game, who am I actually seeing on that floor at tip off? Yeah, let's run down the starting five. All right, so point guard Trey Young, uh, shooting guard Jeremy Lin. I mean, he's coming off some injuries though. Um, I don't think he's played any meaningful minutes in about 18 months or so. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I guess three, you slot in Bazemore, that kind of small forward, kind of wing wing defender kind of guy. Uh, four, John Collins, and five, Alex Len. I mean, not exactly a... A jump off the page, oh boy, to get excited for, but I mean, that's Hawkeye for you. Yeah, hey, you know, when you look at the starting five, you're like, okay, um, you know, how do you play defense against any team with like an all star caliber point guard? I mean, even their offense, how is this going to work, right? I mean, can Trey Young and Jeremy Lin like play off of each other? And and what does John Collins kind of do? And I mean, Alex Lin has to play on the interior. Yeah, Alex Len might be uh most recent bust candidates. Yeah, he's like a top five pick three or four years ago in, in Phoenix. He got benched for Tyson Chandler, who is now yeah. an old yeah. man and has been traded since then. Like where yeah. what's going on with him? Yeah, it's it's it kind of feels like this team is about to kind of be broken up um just for a rebuild but i mean even if you look at the rest of the rotation right we have uh we have torian prince who could be a three and d guy but hasn't really shown on either end of the floor uh we got a 41 year old vince carter probably their second best player on a good night if trey young is doing decently well and they have a Plumlee brother. I'm not sure which one. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows anymore. All I know is I think Mason's in Denver because I saw the Denver preseason game. Tarian Prince, however, I, I'm actually kind of a sneaky fan of. He, I had him in my fantasy draft the past, I think, two years. He's a surprisingly good, like, uh, 3 and D small forward, kind of like... Kind of like a lankier Jay Crowder in a sense. Uh, not not really going to stuff the stat sheet, but he had a couple like 26 and 2 games last year that kind of rounded out my bench for fantasy time. Would you package a deal of Bazemore, Torian Prince, Vince Carter, and a pick, which could be pretty valuable because the Hawks are probably going to be trash. Uh, for Jimmy Butler? Uh, um, <laughs> wow. I'm flattered, but I'd have Tibbs to decline. Tibbs likes his vets, man. Tibbs likes his vets. I, Vince I Carter can decline. fix their locker room chemistry problems. I don't see how that fixes either Minnesota or Atlanta. I think Atlanta just wants to tank more. They want to get the lowest seed in the East. That's kind of their goal this year. You think so? You think uh, a Trey Young and Jimmy Butler backcourt isn't something you could work with? 
oh, I think you could work with it, but look at your your dang forwards and centers. Like, how are you playing pick and roll D against anyone? Uh, they just go to extreme small ball and play Jimmy at the four. Now that's something I'd love to see. <laughs> so speaking of which, now that we've kind of unveiled this whole, the, the, the major points of this roster, uh, it was pointed out to me by our fantastic folks uh, known as our listener base that this is the only team in NBA history to have three of the insanity players all concurrent at the same time. So we have Lin Sanity, Vin Sanity, and Len Sanity all active in the same roster. So the the, the memes could potentially be real if we ever see like a pass to an alley play or something like that. Uh, so so another interesting facet of this team of, is of course uh, Vince himself, potentially my favorite uh, oldest NBA player still around. You know, now that Manu's gone, I mean, Dirk's obviously fantastic, but you're, you're guaranteed a certain amount of throwback Vince dunks per year. So if you had to give an over-under on, on Vince throwback dunks, what, what's your take? Uh, three and a half. Three and a half. You're going over? Under. Uh, I'm going under. Three under and three and a half. I'm going to go even lower. I'm going to say less than two. Wow. I'm going to say he makes one, and then he has a second one that misses. So it's like one and a half. <laughs> um, it's kind of weird that like Vince is still in the league. I mean, I know Dirk and Wade are like kind of on their retirement tour, but it doesn't seem like Vince Carter is ready to retire yet, which is weird because I, I feel like he could be the perfect guy to kind of go to big three basketball and like team up with Jason Kidd. You'd think, right? He's kind of like that same cloth. He's like that same like era of player. He's not really like a... He's not getting meaningful minutes. Yeah. So it's like, why, why is he still here? And I mean, I've never really been a big Vince Carter fan. Always thought he was overrated. He's clearly the lower half of the... T Mac, Vince Carter family tree. One of them still playing. That's all I gotta say. One of them won a ring. Wait, no, wait. Did did, did he nope. win? No, T-Mac he didn't. Won a ring? No, nope. was that the? Oh, was that the year after? That was the year the Spurs oh, lost to shit. Miami. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I was like, I was like, oh man, the Spurs got T Mac like a month before the playoffs, and then there was that one. I think it was Game Six where it's like, game oh man, six. oh Ray Allen. Oh. It was like the Spurs can still win. You know, there's there's 35 seconds left. Just put T Mac oh. in. Do it, Pop. You know he'll do it, and he, and he didn't. And he put him in for Game Seven for like a minute. And it was yeah. awful. Oh man. Oh, anyways, uh, back to the Hawks. Of course, they're. Biggest offseason trade being Carmelo Anthony, who was didn't even step foot in Atlanta from what I've heard. He just kind of redirected his flight over to Houston. Would would Melo be their second best player since the year 2000 in Hawks history? I'm going right behind Joe Johnson. I'm not even certain about that. <laughs> I feel like early Joe Johnson might be better than Carmelo right now. No, that's what I'm saying. Joe Johnson is like their their best player since 2000, and then Carmelo is two. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in that order. Joe Johnson, then Carmelo, then Al Horford. Uh man. Then it's got to be Kyle Korver, right? Wasn't like Richard Jefferson on this team before he went to the Cavs? Uh, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember who was like their guard. Like ten years ago, didn't they have like Jeff Teague at some point? They had Jeff Teague. Yeah, you're right. All right, I'm gonna go with Jeff Teague. <laughs> Four, and then Kyle Korver five. Yeah, uh, I I don't like Jeff Teague. I'm gonna put him like at seven. I think he's like potentially... no, I don't think he's, I don't think he's good. But I mean, in terms of that Hawks team, he's probably pretty good. That tells you all you need to know about the Atlanta Hawks that we're saying. saying he, he held a point guard <laughs> position. For like eight years in a guard-driven league, <laughs> got a point. But think about his younger sibling, uh, 
Marquise Teague that played for the Bulls in the Derrick Rose absence years. Yeah, he's not even in the league anymore. So tells you all I need to know. Uh, so 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 ways that that the Hawks can really break the NBA here. Um, you know, our our good friend Mike, longtime listener of the podcast, would say it's probably uh, Kent Bazemore. You know, guy is shooting upwards of thirty five percent from three, eh, over four attempts per game. Uh, and plays just fantastic defense at this kind of crux 2-3 switchable position in the league right now. So so if the Hawks keep this guy, he could potentially get one of those sort of breakout seasons where he's kind of the the quote-unquote primary scorer, but you know, the face is still Trey Young kind of kind of game. Uh what, what yeah, do you think? He's... He's the anchor on this team, right? It's kind of like what Zebo was doing last year for the Kings, where it's like, you know, Zebo is really the guy carrying it, but clearly that's like a short-term plan. And it's kind of the same thing with Bazemore. He's probably their best asset in terms of being able to move and get some get some money or get some picks or something, you know, kind of around February. Or, you know, keep him and kind of solidify the team around him because, you know, he's a pretty, pretty solid at the three spot. You know, can kind of play that two, three, sort of slide up to the four if if need be, I guess, which is uh, obviously something you want to build around. Um, and like you said, you know, he's shooting like 35% from three. So if you can get that a little bit up to like 38, 39%, I mean, that's pretty good. You know, if he gets those attempts to like six a game and he makes four out of six, I mean, in a game, I mean, that's, that's probably going to win you a game if he's doing stuff like that. I mean, the only downside is he's making about, you know, kind of a shade under 20 million a year, which seems a little high for that kind of production. Like, Absolutely. And I think it, it's important to realize that this guy's probably getting shipped out. A couple of years ago, he was on those Golden State teams. I think that first round when they played against LeBron and he was – one of those rotation guys that would defend LeBron every once in a while. So he's not, uh, he's yeah. still an asset to teams potentially just for that reason. Yeah. Like if I'm Houston, I'd be kind of interested, you know, he's kind of similar to PJ Tucker a little bit where it's like, he kind of, pl- he can play at a bigger, he can play at like a, like a four, even though he's not really got the size to play at the four, kind of like how PJ Tucker was playing at the five. And he kind of does very similar things. Um, but Atlanta also has a new coach, so a new regime. Um, longtime processor Lloyd Pierce, part of the executive office um, and coaching staff from kind of the Sam Hinkie era. Be interested to see how he works out. Um, I don't really know too much about him personally. I don't know what kind of system he's looking at. Yeah, I mean, most of his background has been uh, during those rebuild years for the Sixers. So he's definitely a guy that I think could probably develop the young talent that is Trey Young. Um, but, I mean, he's I haven't really seen whether or not he's got the chops to really do it when called upon. Speaking of Trey Young, you know, what, what do we think about him in terms of uh, he actually going to um, be a, a rookie of the year he candidate? Break, Can yeah, he carry, he the, carry the team? Is he one of those... You know, bust factors, or is he really, as Mike would say, uh, breaking the NBA this year? <laughs> uh, in college, he put up a twenty-seven and nine, like average, which is, I mean, that if that translates over, I mean, good for him. Those are like all-star numbers. Putting up twenty-seven nine in a season, you're gonna you're gonna play in the all-star game. Uh, but the problem is, he's a tiny dude. I mean, he's six feet tall. I mean, if that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a gracious six feet, um, and of course, our only real evidence of this is back in summer league. But those first couple games, he was having a pretty Ooh. rough time. He kind of got his his act together for the last few, but uh, you know, it it feels like one of those things where one night he could go like two for twelve, and the next night he could go seven for twelve. Yeah, it's it, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where I think he has to just kind of go through the grind. And just kind of get through the first two years, but 
I mean, Atlanta doesn't usually have a track record of developing young talent. I mean, maybe new coach Pierce kind of brings us in, but I mean, if you know what's going to happen on those nights when uh, Houston comes to town, right? And he's playing against Chris Paul, you know, or he's going to get his ass blasted. Yeah, or he's playing against like a Patrick Beverly kind of guy. You know, it's like, man, like those are going to be some rough nights on the dude. Yeah, those those are, will be the sort of testament to if he's even serviceable as a starter right now because Atlanta's all in on him. Like that's kind of their their strong yeah, I mean, game. I mean, that's going to go down as as one of the biggest uh, draft night trades kind of in recent memory. And, and even even with just this one preseason game, people are still calling it that. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. Atlanta could potentially have the biggest blunder of in sports history with that trade. <laughs> Speaking of sports blunders, Lynn Sanity himself coming back from sort of a myriad of injuries over the past couple of years, kind of doing the Dwight Howard route of teams. Again, as a serviceable sort of barely starter, sort of bench uh bench kickstarter kind of player yeah where, where, you would see him go? as a six man yeah you would see him as like a six or a seven guy on probably most other teams but there's just not enough depth on this roster so he's probably going to be the starting two i would i would agree i don't see a reason i almost might see that just to get Trey Young off ball, maybe run some down screens or elevator cuts or Yeah, and I mean, you know, Trey Young supposedly has some vision, right? Some some ability to pass. So you would kind of think that maybe they could kind of work something where it's like Trey Young brings it up and then he kind of slots it over to Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lin kind of goes back. Like you know, on paper they should be able to kind of work off each other, but whether or not that turns into scoring and you know that kind of production i don't really know because they're both you know they can't really defend like i mean as far as i know Trey young has no defensive chops and jeremy lynn is clearly not a lockdown defender speaking of defensive chops what's our realistic estimate as our our friend zach lowe's sneaky big question of the episode is uh how, what's like the wind shares that Trey Young might bring to this team for being sort of the hope and future of Atlanta? Uh, I mean, big thing is, what if he gets injured? I mean, yikes! You know, a lot of people compared him to Steph, and Steph those first four, five, six years was pretty rough with all those ankle injuries. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Knicks fans those first six or seven years were like, man, I'm glad we didn't pick Steph. They're eating themselves in the butt right now. So Yeah, I mean, I mean, he is, I mean, it's going to come down to Trey Young, right? If they're actually going to, you know, dare I say, make a playoff run. But even even just to be outside of the bottom five in the East, I mean, Trey Young is going to have to win a, win a lot of games, win a lot of close games too. You know, some of those like Boston is is coming in on a second of a back to a back to back on the road. They're in Atlanta. They're a little tired. The night before they played an OT in Charlotte or something, and it's like you know, can Trey Young kind of kind of steal one of those games? I mean, that's the only way they're gonna they're gonna make any kind of real impact on the league this year. Speaking of impact on the league. I've put on my amazing burka and the spirits of the NBA are telling me that this will be a very different team at the end of the year. I'm I'm predicting here that Alex Lynn, Kent Bazemore, and Torian Prince will be on different teams here. I know you're saying that's a lot. But but hear me out. <laughs> Atlanta is the number one destination for three-team trades in the NBA. They have perennially loved making deals with other teams, even in their own conference, and even for some of their right-now best players. And l- let's be honest here. There's some wasted talent on this team on paper. 
And there are some teams that would love to have Baysmore, Prince, and even Alex Lynn at a point. I, I would say don't be surprised if a year from now this team takes a very different shape. Yeah, I mean, it'd be pretty cool to see a Trey Young, John Wall backcourt. There's a lot of guys from Atlanta in the league right now, and they love to make an appearance back at home. Maybe if it's for a retirement tour, maybe it's for a sort of a personal adventure. Speaking of personal adventures, first Bagwell absolutely loves the Hawks for, for really one reason, but maybe a second one. That first reason is Mr. Lynn Sanity himself, Captain... Jeremy Lin leading his team at the two guard position from his fantastic repertoire of of moves from the Knicks and and a, a sort of a return to greatness. You know we have a lot of uh, Asian Americans in First Bagwell, and this is their player. This is their guy. This is their. Asian so, word, yeah, dude. That it's they their spicy meatball, on. dude. It's it's uh it's his spicy meatball, man. This would be their neighbor in other terms. Uh, and speaking of neighbors, uh, Nate Robinson, a guy that currently doesn't even live in Atlanta. Uh, as we like to ask every team in the NBA, would they be better with Nate Robinson right now? And I think you're gonna have to agree with me on this one. That that's a very maybe question. Let's consider a Trey Young, Nate Robinson backcourt of two players less than six feet tall. <laughs> uh, I guess we're going to try to do like a spud web thing and just bring back a bunch of dunks into Atlanta's uh, folklore. That's the only hope is <laughs> Wait, Nate Robinson Young to be dunk? spud web. I don't think so. <laughs> he likes the Steph Curry floaters. Yeah crazy jelly layups these days that the kids are doing. I mean, uh, Nate Robinson. I mean, could they put him at center? Could they just try it and see what happens? <laughs> Maybe put him as coach. But uh, I definitely not, in my opinion. And as our final segment here on the Hawks, just sort of to wrap things up, are you more or less thrilled about the Hawks than you are about the next $5 big box from our Art in the Paint sponsor, Taco Bell? I am way less. I am bored just talking about the Hawks. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, the, I'm going to watch maybe 10 minutes Trey Young this entire season. And, if and I it's going to be when and it's going to be when DSJ and uh, Doncic are playing against him. Either that or, like, he's going to get his ankles broken multiple times. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Speaking of Who's next? $5 boxes, uh, our favorite Hard in the Paint viewer of the Fortnite, David Ovies, loves Hard in the Paint uh, big boxes from Taco Bell. And he currently resides in Orlando. That is our next NBA team we'll be previewing here this upcoming season so of course the orlando magic kind of stuck in the mediocrity of the east really ever since that dwight howard trade from several years ago uh, a lot of sort of notable nobodies have passed through those gates um, and there's not really a ton of hope for them right now but how is the the magical disney fan base of the orlando area feeling about their team so it's been six years since dwight howard was in orlando and we're coming up on the 10th anniversary or of orlando's run to the nba finals where they lost to the lakers pretty easily pretty easily uh and that was a team that had you know kind of this sort of blueprint of shoot a lot of threes and Dwight Howard's going to eat up in the paint. And that's sort of the game plan, you know, every, every night. Right. And so the Marvel character that I've chosen to represent the Orlando feeling in their landlocked city is Red Skull. Red Skull, you might, you might remember 
you know, kind of rings a few bells as uh, the villain from the first Captain America movie, which, you know, is closer to uh, being about a decade old, kind of like Orlando. They've kind of been stuck. Red Skull has kind of been stuck. Never really heard from again. And that's kind of where we're left with Orlando. Just kind of there. Absolutely. You know, Red Skull isn't really a villain that gets a ton of attention, I guess. He, he's not really, like, not that many crazy superpowers. He's really just sort of a megalomaniac, neo-Nazi, much like our, our hot topic politics of the day. However, he is kind of quintessential to that storyline, you know. Wouldn't be talking about the NBA today if it wasn't for the antics of Dwight Howard every year. Yeah, you know, it always brings a nice storyline, and we always harken back to those Orlando days. Speaking of those days, what is our, what is even our lineup for Orlando? They've got this kind of crazy log jam at the forward spot. What, what's the starting five looking like right now? Uh, at the five, it's going to be Mamba number five, Mo Bamba. Uh, the rookie. Seven footer, kind of an interesting guy, you know, uh, from Texas. Historically, Texas tends to produce decent NBA players every now and again, and then sometimes they produce not so good NBA players every now and again. Um, so he probably has his work cut out for him, but he he probably is um, got the number five spot kind of locked up at this point. The uh, the big questions are kind of at the uh, the four and the three. Uh, right now at the starting five, I've penciled in Vujicic, uh, mostly just because he's got the most minutes on that team, I think, uh, besides their number three guy, Aaron Gordon. So I'm going to slide Aaron Gordon down to the three, which you know might actually open up play for him. Um, I know a lot of kind of past coaches in Orlando have tried to keep him at the four, kind of that Blake Griffin type of role, but maybe by sliding him down to the three kind of gives him a little bit more freedom to, you know, kind of kind of do his thing on offense. Uh, the two, I'm putting in Evan Fournier, only because they really don't have anybody else, and then their point guard is going to be DJ Augustine, who, I mean, is a long-time veteran, really relatively unknown outside of maybe a casual nba fandom yeah so. just really a copy paste like generic point card just like all right you need someone to fill this role and they yeah. obviously they lost alfred payton to the pelicans this year probably would have been their starting point guard otherwise yeah i mean the the strengths of this team are really at the the five the four and the three um because even if you look at the rest of the rotation you got jonathan isaacs Jonathan Simmons, Jerry and Grant, you got even an old Mozgov and an even older Terrence Ross um, to kind of fill in those three, four, five spots. This is a, a sort of a more interesting team on paper, I think, than the Hawks. It's a little more obvious to see, you know, how they win games. Nikola Vucevic was sort of one of those fantasy unicorns last year. He was putting up like 20 and 15, like every night pretty nice stat stuffer and then aaron gordon's kind of been on the up and up since last year he kind of had this pretty solid few months of upward trending threes i think is uh an addendum to why he's been played more at the small forward with the fuller spacing and his potential to get around smaller guys because he's just so dang athletic and big might be a very nice fit for him yeah, and I mean, interestingly, if you slot out uh, Fournier for uh, Jonathan Simmons and you kind of play this weird, um, you know, one guard, four forwards kind of thing, um, they could be kind of a weirdly decent defensive team on some possessions. You know, they could get quite a few blocks and steals and just kind of jam up the lanes and, you know, make a few stops to maybe kind of win some games. I just don't see how they can score enough points to to really keep it interesting with anybody, but they could probably be a pretty, you know, kind of middle of the NBA defensive team. I think that's kind of just where the general trend is with these guys right now. It's it's kind of hard to see how they win games. Um, really, it kind of comes down to whether you believe 
Mo Bamba or not can break the NBA. Now, this is a guy that was obviously a defensive big man in college. He's just this the longest dude we've ever seen. But over the summer, he's been doing a lot of training with new face of the league, Joel Embiid, on offense and defense. And they've kind of pulled up this uh, mentor-mentee relationship. And he's made a uh, three in their first preseason game. His shot form looks pretty good. That can space the floor for Vujicic or Vucevic, uh, and then he doesn't have to be a shot blocker because he's a little bit of more of a Valanchunas, uh, you know, Russian post-up kind of guy rather than a shot blocker. That would be fantastic. You know, there's, there's a lot of upside here for Mo Bamba other than this logjam at his height on that team. Like, how much yeah. of that height can they really play to break the NBA? question with Mo Bamba is really can he develop his raw skill like if I think of DeAndre Ayton I kind of know what to expect you know if I'm thinking of Marvin Bagley Jr. or the third you know I kind of know what to expect if I'm thinking of Triple J I kind of know what to expect then with Trey Young even with Mo Bamba I, I you know I'm kind of having a hard time figuring out on either side of the floor like what is it that he's gonna do you know is he going to be a, like a lane blocker? Is he going to kind of drift out and shoot some threes? You know, he's kind of he's kind of got this like a, you know, kind of B plus game in all these different kind of in all these different stat categories, right? But like there's nowhere on on paper that I can be like, yeah, you know what? Mo Bamba can do this for me consistently every night. And so I think that's kind of where some of the questions are. It's like, can he develop something you know like some kind of moniker absolutely and a guy that also has his moniker here evan don't google me fournier so mm. this is a guy that kind of i think he's just a fan of orlando as a as a place on his own but he's a a knockdown three-point guy almost like a kyle corvery play thompson hybrid and obviously not as good but uh, that's someone that I think a lot of teams would have decent value for. I think his defensive stats are not uh, up to par with a lot of the other guys, but he is uh, shooting 38% from three. His contract's pretty yeah. uh, manageable at 17 per year right now. And his points per game have been going up every year since he's been in Orlando. You know, 12 points, 15, 17, and then just a shade under... 18 last year so that's pretty pretty good improvement i mean if you got a guy that's putting up almost 20 points a game and you don't even have a real guard on the floor you know that that might give you enough um it's kind of weird if that's you know if, if fournier is kind of your second option on offense but maybe Bo, mo bamba can take more of the load and that kind of frees up uh, uh evan fournier to hit even more threes right it gives him more spacing um to maybe bump his attempts up and even get closer to like 40% from three. Absolutely. Uh, this is, this is kind of their steady floor spacer. Uh, you know, in the past couple of years, they had Alfred Payton, a couple other guys that really weren't long range shooters by any stretch. Mm -hmm. So, so Zach Lowe's sneaky big question for this team is, Who's really the point guard on this roster? Uh, it's something hard to see. Yeah, I mean, it's DJ Augustine for now, right? But it, it kind of feels like if Orlando's going to be bad next year, they should draft a point guard um, and just kind of fit that in. I mean, they have, they're so loaded at the forward spot um that really it's kind of the guard is where they need to to kind of fix and they're not going to be able to attract any free agent talent you know nobody wants to come to this team right now with you know a new head coach and they've been so lackluster for six seven years now so i think it's going to have to be a, a you know a guard of the future and dj augustine's kind of just here to manage manage the team out for maybe a year Absolutely. Uh, you know, you could think maybe Terrence Ross and Jerry and Grant had some playmaking duties. Even Jonathan Simmons had some playmaking duties back in the day, but you don't really have like this ball handler off the dribble, get to the rim kind of guy at the guard spot. 
Yeah, That's I mean, the interesting thing problem. would be it'd be interesting if they try to make Aaron Gordon more into a Blake Griffin, kind of those years when uh, CP3 would be injured and then like Blake would kind of do that point forward. Um, Aaron Gordon can, you know, potentially do that a little bit easier if he's at the three. He could kind of, you know, take some some uh, some ball handling, you know, kind of playmaking responsibilities. And I mean, that would truly kind of take him up to the kind of the next level, especially somewhere that he wants to be after he just signed that huge contract. Absolutely. And this is kind of just the natural progression of, of, a, of a former dunk champion really needs it's hard to just be a dunker in the league right now unless you're extraordinarily tall or or uh very good at ball handling it's like yeah i mean they got terrence ross <laughs> hey he had a 50 some point game a couple years ago that's still a threat he's got the mo williams badge for this team <laughs> speaking of of uh this team and putting my my burka back on Feel the energy of the NBA gods and what they might have in store for this team. And my my unfortunate prediction for this year is that head coach Frank Vogel will not be a part of this team anymore. Well, he isn't. <laughs> they hired Steve Clifford. When did they hire Steve Clifford? Uh, a few months back. Wow, okay. dude, you were spot on with this with this prediction. I am one for one with predictions. <laughs> let me let me do it. Let me let me try that again. <laughs> Where the hell is Frank Vogel these days? Dude, hell if I know. <laughs> this this yeah, guy sure, was uh, an Indiana head coach. I'm pretty sure Steve Clifford was there, maybe even before the draft. No he way. might have been there at the start of the summer, yeah. Does, I would have heard uh, about that. Because one of the Spurs assistants took over the uh, Hornets job, and uh, now they got Tony Parker, right? So they kind of got that. And then they got Batum, so they kind of got that foreign boy feel. But uh, yeah, Steve Clifford is down here in Orlando, which is why some people are a little optimistic that maybe you can kind of get something out of him. But if anything, I mean, Steve Clifford is holding back those Hornets teams for such a long time. So I'll give another prediction since I was uh, I obviously was not up to my daylight savings time on this one <laughs> and that will be that prediction will be that I know this seems lame but this team's not going to change at all during the year you might be questioning that because they have kind of that log jam at small forward. Maybe another team would like a good bench guy, you know, maybe they need a point guard and they're like, Oh, we'll, we'll trade for one here or we'll take a bad deal just so we're relevant. Or maybe Mo Bamba gets injured and something else happens. You know, I think all said and done, this team's not going to change a bit. They've had a decent amount of high draft picks over the past couple of years head coaching change I wasn't aware of and some interesting bits and pieces they've gotten from sort of three team leftover deals that I think uh, they're looking for a little bit of stability obviously Alfred Payton wasn't a huge hit so now they're like alright let's not worry about that worry about these other ones and we've already got great ones here so let's not screw it up I think that's what they're going to go for if Minnesota decides to completely break up the band, should they do a like-for-like -like swap of Aaron Gordon and Andrew Wiggins? I... What kind of question is that? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think Andrew Wiggins and Mo Bamba could probably like do pretty well together? Andrew Wiggins is more of a natural three than Aaron Gordon, and he could probably even play two at some times. If you just wanted this huge fucking like two guard, I was thinking a similar thing. Honestly, when we were talking about this earlier, I was like, "Yeah, man, you know, Minnesota's got to blow someone up and get them down here." It's like, what if Derrick Rose ended up to be an Orlando Magic? Uh, Derrick Rose and Andrew Wiggins for Aaron Gordon and like Jonathan Simmons, right? Yeah, or I would take that can, deal if I was Minnesota. Can Terrence Ross shoot any threes? 
his percentage has kind of dipped a bit because he's yeah he kind of is a jr smith kind of three-point yeah, shooter exactly that's why i was like i mean minnesota needs some kind of spacing and maybe a streaky guy like terrence ross could could help that team well, now without Jamal Crawford, yeah, I, yeah, this is a Ow. reasonable argument. <laughs> I totally forgot Jamal Crawford is on that team, too. What, what, what was Tibbs thinking? You got to oh, bring yeah. the Timberwolves back together, except you can't oh, keep God. the most crucial piece of these years. <laughs> and so speaking of Jonathan Simmons, first Bagwell, our favorite Swagwell area of the world, is just has the biggest heart on for our boy Kawhi Jr., otherwise known as Jonathan Simmons from a couple years back. So Jonathan Simmons, of course, former San Antonio Spur, took up for uh, Kawhi Leonard's injury in the playoffs, I think it was three years ago, and really had this amazing amazing like awakening of ability. And it really was just they ran the same plays that they run for Kawhi, and they told Jonathan Simmons, hey, do the same fucking thing, and it worked. <laughs> It was just like simple, like wing pick and roll, either jump shot or drive or pass, because that's all the Spurs do anyways. And it was amazing. This guy was playing like incredible defense. He was like the guy on offense, which was basically unheard of three years ago. Uh, this guy was, was I think he was a D-league guy, if I remember correctly, that they brought up from another team. And... Uh, he made such a big name for himself that he, I became a fan of him, and then he got stuck in this Orlando logjam, and I never heard from him again. Yep, lightning hasn't struck twice for Jonathan Simmons. Nonetheless, I still think there's potential there. And one of these days, he'll be on a decent team and get re or meaningful minutes. And speaking of meaningful minutes, can Nate Robinson actually make this team better? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we both agree with this one, Out without a doubt. doubt. Yes. Uh, they need that playmaker off the dribble uh, guy that can kind of get things done when there's not a whole lot going on. Well, they need a guy who can help Aaron Gordon and Mo Bamba do their thing, right? Like, they need a guy who can kind of take the spotlight off those two guys. And, I mean, Nate Robinson can definitely do that, and he would definitely be willing to do that. Absolutely. And the magic, you know, atmosphere and, like, the Orlando ideal and going to the team that he dunked over Dwight on, you know, that'd just be a great storyline. Speaking of storylines, as sort of a conclusionary statement, how we feel about this Maybe not so Disney Magic Orlando team. Are you more or less excited about this team for this upcoming season than you are about the next biggest and greatest $5 Taco Bell box? Well, you know, I think this is very reminiscent of the first Captain America movie. I didn't like it. It's totally boring. I'm seeing the same things for Orlando. I am less thrilled. I would have to agree with you on this one, and that's mostly due to the fact that this is going to be probably the most boring team to watch on offense. It's going to look like they don't know how to score, and that is very unexciting basketball, being a you know 2013 Chicago Bulls fan. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be rough, and I, you know, I don't know how many nationally televised games they have, but that is not going to help either. You know, maybe one night you'll see, like, Mo Bamba with, like, a 5x5, five five, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, I think. But, you know, some good fantasy picks in here, but definitely a team you aren't going to be paying attention to. Yeah, couldn't I agree more? And with that, that will uh, sort of wrap up our Hard to Paint previews for this upcoming NBA season for this edition of Hard in the Paint Podcast. Two weeks to the start of the season. Yes, I am so excited. I've already started looking into tickets potentially for some games, and I'm just ready to sort of get meaningful basketball on TV again. Well, you know, the NBA All-Star Game is going to be in Charlotte, dude. You better get your tickets ready to go to Charlotte. We're going to take this podcast on the road. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a uh, 
We'll have a stand outside the the Charlotte Arena, and you can find us there. We'll we'll do a live recording of the podcast if you you uh, are the first. I think it's a hundred uh, visitors uh, with with our guest pass. You can actually line up uh, for for the meet and greet, and then be in the uh, the back set shot for for our podcast so that's fantastic yeah. we love to thank uh the time the folks at time warner for hooking us up with that offer um spectrum marine is a beautiful place i love it i've been there a few times now it's it's honestly much better than the memphis arena so uh, the form sure. needs some work but with that we will uh say see you next time here at hard in the paint you can obviously leave your questions comments and concerns down in the comments below or email us at the the links in the description we love hearing your feedback and of course we love to shout out our listeners of the fortnite and this week that listener is aurelio Bellotti. so so welcome back aurelio you've reclaimed your title of hard in the paint listener of the fortnite we appreciate all the great mailbag questions you send us every week are really just gems to read every time I see them in my inbox. And with that, we'll uh, be coming back to you guys very soon with some more upcoming NBA season previews. I'll see you all then. <laughs>